Pick Up The Pace is a rugby union podcast hosted by All Black super fan and Anadu Ryle, two passionate rugby fanatics from Wainui Mata, New Zealand, who go deep into everything rugby without taking themselves too seriously. Kia ora and welcome to Pick Up The Pace podcast with your man, All Black super fan and Anadu Ryle. And thank you so much. Special shout out to Ken Laban, Sky Sport New Zealand. Shout out. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for the introduction. And as he said, we are two very... Uh, Massive, diehard rugby fans. So, massive. why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell the world why you're such a massive fan, Mister All Black Super Fan? Well, I suppose for me, it, it all happened when I grew up as a little kid and in the deep south and the South Island and Timaru, and I can remember those uh, afternoon test match games. You know, where the old man would shoot down and get a couple of flagons, and you could sort of sense something was going on. You know, there wasn't much traffic on the roads, you know, and you thought, well, what's it getting about? Oh, the test match is on, 2 o'clock footy, you know. We'd go down, he'd, well, he'd go down and get the flag, and so I was obviously a bit young to be drinking back then. And a um, couple of bags of chips and some dip, and either head around to the uncles or head home, and the uncles would head over, and we'd watch those 2, 3, uh, 3 p.m. games, you know. There's nothing better, eh? Afternoon footy. Afternoon footy, and we've seen some afternoon footy not so long ago. It was brilliant. It was The sun was shining, uh, Tonga and Hamilton, the All Blacks mm-hmm. versus Tonga. Believe it was the last hit out before the Rugby World Cup. How good was that, you know? Good to um, see. Bringing back those memories of the old days, eh? And then obviously waking up at 2, 3 in the morning again when the All Blacks are touring on the other side of the world. The old man's shaking to get up. You don't want to get up, but once you're up, you know, you've just, you've just got that feeling that, you know, the All Blacks are playing and they're up for something big. So they're my memories growing up, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah. And the All Blacks. Yeah. Awesome. Similar, similar experience growing up as a, as a young one. Uh, as a young boy, obviously waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, one vivid memory I have is waking up in the middle of the night to watch the 1999 Rugby World Cup semi-final against France. We all know what happened in that match. <laughs> uh, getting up, getting uh, or having cheese toasties at halftime. You remember what you were eating as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting up with Dad, uh, watching the game, and, and remembering uh, going back to school uh, later that day, I think. It might have been the next day. And uh, just the, the pain pain inside the hurt hey right the inside hurt. the heart you know and that's when you know you're a diehard rugby oh. fan when it hits you right there you oh. know, right deep down i know i deep feel down it in the heart. i feel it but no seriously uh playing in the black backyard playing a bit of rugby pretending to be your heroes christian cullen sidestep left right inside ball to umanga umanga out to lomu lomu with the fend and over you go and there you go try time ain't no one stopping lomu Ain't no one stopping Lomu. Not even my Not cat. in my backyard. Not even my cat. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, listen, I used to have uh, sparklers, you know, around uh, obviously around Guy Fawkes time and, and in the backyard we used to line them up and we used to run out just like the teams did oh uh, out of the stadium. Oh we light my. them all up and, and she's all on. She's all on. And just me and, me and my brother and a couple of the neighbours running running around in the backyard uh, pretending to, to play in a Rugby World Cup final. And obviously I was always that one who, who got the last minute try to win the game. Isn't that good, though? When we were kids and we were growing up, and you're out on the street. I remember I lived on a cul-de-sac street in Timaru. you got the power lines above, and it's a rugby ball. Your parents are yelling yeah. at you. Yeah. you got to come inside. You've got 10 minutes left, and you're like, one more. And all the all, all the all the people that lived in that, you know, all the kids that lived around in, in those houses, and that you'd get out, you'd be like, this is the kick for the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. This is the rugby, yeah, we won. You know, and yeah, that's yeah, what you yeah, did yeah. as a Kiwi kid, eh? That's what it's all about. Yeah. I know. lived on a cul-de-sac as well. We did the same thing. Playing rugby out on the on the road, we didn't care. Rugby World Cup was every Sunday, yeah. Rugby World Cup, that's right. Knockout tournament, knockout tournament. Uh, Excellent. But no, seriously, uh, as a, as a, as a young one as well, uh, 
vivid memories of uh, looking at the back page of the of the paper, the sports section, and clipping out articles, rugby articles, and putting it in my scrapbook. Oh, yeah. And that was, you know, that just shows again as a young one. Awesome. You still got those books around? Or? I don't know. I need to check. Yeah, you yeah. need to find that yeah. stuff, man. I just remember that now, actually. Memorabilia. Absolutely. So that's a little bit about us as rugby fans, obviously from Wainuiamata. Uh, up the Nui. Up the Nui, absolutely. So we're, this is our inaugural episode of our Pick Up The Pace podcast. And today, obviously, it's all about the Rugby World Cup 2019. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a review of the pool stages, and then we'll do a bit of a preview of the quarterfinals, the big quarterfinals coming up Huge. this weekend. Massive. Knockout rugby. Knockout. This is what we've all been waiting for. Yep. The business end. You want to stay or you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way to go home. So let's get right into it. Pool A, number one team, Japan. Japan. Arigatouzukatsaimasu. We were over in Japan recently for a couple of weeks, so we'll be sharing a few stories about our experiences while we're over there. Uh, but in the meantime, Japan, what a tournament. Undefeated Holy so Holy, what a team. Who would have thought at the start of the tournament that Scotland would be out and they would beat both Scotland and Ireland? I didn't pick it, did you? No, no. no. So leading into the tournament, Japan would have targeted that Scotland match. You reckon? I reckon. They wouldn't have. I reckon they would have. They would have thought Ireland are going to be too tough. We're going to target that final match against Scotland. We can take on Samoa and Russia. Uh, and you know, if you beat Scotland, you get into the quarterfinals. They went into that match last weekend, having already won every single game in the pool game. But even though pool rounds, in the game against Ireland, where Japan faced them, I think the first thirty minutes seemed about it was 50-50. Then they just went up a little level just before half time. And they come out after half time. They dominated that second half against mm. Ireland. Mm. And I thought, oh, maybe they'll dominate. Ireland will come back. Ireland didn't even look like they were going to come back. No. You know? So to do that against Ireland and then have that confidence to go into another tier one nation, Scotland, holy. Absolutely. And Japan, uh, throughout this whole tournament, they have played like a unit. They have uh, wonderful co- coaches. Uh, and Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. Two Kiwis. Two yeah. Kiwis, of course. And uh, fantastic leaders in Michael Leach, another Kiwi, captain. Uh, and, uh, and and try scorers. Holy. Try scorers. Matsushima, the winger, has scored a number of tries in this tournament. Uh, and let's, let's not forget about the loose forward trio in Michael Leach, Peter Labushatne, and Kazuki Himeno. Kazuki Hameno has been a revelation uh, at number eight, the young the young man who's come out of nowhere, basically. And he's been smashing it throughout the whole tournament. So Japan against Scotland, what did you think? Can I go back a step? I want to go back to the um, Ireland versus Scotland game. Yeah, in sure. Yokohama yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Three days in from when the World Cup commenced. Disappointing. I was disappointed in Scotland in that game, eh? Ireland played a good footy. They played good. They played, I don't know if they played really good, but they played good footy. But Scotland, to me, oh, look, I don't want to be, you know, with all respect, our top first 15 would have gave them a good run for their money. Mm. I don't even think they scored a try. What was it, three? What was the score? Something like something, something, something to three, three points. Um, but in that game against Japan, to be honest, Scotland played really, really well. They played a good game. It's just that Japan just played out of their skin. We talked about it before, that how... They would have gave the All Blacks a good run for their money. And some of the moves that they did in their strategies 
were, um, you know, they were up there, you know. Um, I'm glad South Africa are facing them, you know. You know what I mean? Mm, that's right. So Ireland-Scotland, like you like you said, Ireland won that match quite easily, 27 points to three. 27-3. And yeah. Scotland, they just weren't in that match at all. They were terrible. They were fighting hard, though. I'll give it to Scotland. They brought it back in that last game. You can see they wanted it. But Japan, they just didn't let it. They're, a, they're an 85-minute they're an side, eh? This this whole um you know we're gonna run we're gonna run the second tier nations off their feet and they'll blow out in the first half and mm. not Japan no no and just focusing on Scotland after that Ireland match they then went on to beat Samoa thirty four nil and then they beat Russia sixty one nil pretty impressive scores really I yep. know you know yeah not talking um Russia okay hey they can play good footy but sixty one nil sixty one nil thirty four nil against Samoa still thirty four nil so by the time they uh, went up against Japan, they were full of confidence. And you saw that in the first 10 to 20 minutes. They scored the first try. Uh, but after that, it was all Japan in that first half. That was an easy traffic. try that went through too, you know. That was a little bit of a lapse in concentration, eh? Um, and, you know, I would have thought Scotland might have got up on that try, got a bit of momentum, but that momentum turned very quickly back to Japan's way. Yeah, Finn Russell scoring that first try for Scotland uh, in that match. Uh, throughout the match, though, did you notice... Uh, the sort of uh, frustration creeping into the, the Scottish side. Uh, Finn, Finn Russell was one of the offenders, the regular offenders, getting into the ref's ear, complaining about every little infringement. Uh, and then you had uh, one of the front rowers uh, who were constantly, uh, I think it was Alan Dell or, or, or William Now, Nell or Dell, one of them. <laughs> one of the tight heads or Lucy's, one of the props on him. Yeah, but I think that comes down to pressure and... Um, who, who you know, Steve talks about it a lot, isn't it? You know, the mental side, the physical side. Um, and then the, who can absorb the pressure? And Japan absorbed it. They played to the whistle. And, uh, you know, you can see the frustration. Um, ref, it's a head high, or ref, he's going high. Or, yeah. or it's just constant. The players were constantly looking at the ref for a blowout for a penalty, which is taking away from their game, their game plan. Ireland went. Uh, worried about that. They just played the game and played it to the whistle. So that frustration, when you leave that to the halfback. Leave that to the niggly boys, you know? Yeah. But um, when you've got your, your, your 10 trying to steer the team around and he's complaining and moaning to the ref, well, unfortunately, you're not going to go too well, eh? That's right. And if you look back to last week, Scotland lost the match the day the Scottish CEO came out to the media and declared war on world rugby. So he threatened to take for, for World the, Rugby to court. And that was for potential postponement of the game that actually went ahead, that Japan yeah. won. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. make them look now. Yeah, that's right. Typhoon, an act of God. Oh, what can you do? Like, like contingency plans and, hey, um, you know, Japan didn't have one. But could you have a contingency plan? I mean, they've got infrastructure in place, but how do you move um, 70,000, 80,000 people to another stadium within... I don't know, two or three days, you've got people flying over, they've booked their tickets, uh, you know, they've got to get refunds on hotels, hotels won't give refunds if you paid right. in advance, like, how does all that logistical, it sounds easy from a fan point of view, but there's also safety as well, yep. and the World Rugby have a duty of care to make sure there's no accidents and instances, you know, we don't want people um, walking to the game the next minute getting blown across the road or, or, or caught in a flood, or uh, personally I think the decision was correct that they made, mm. um, but you know, a bit of egg on their face now going forward, eh? And I was stoked that the game went ahead. It was the game of the pool stages by far. Uh, game, yeah, game, like you said, pool stages, game of the tournament. Absolutely, it was full of uh, speed. Um, it was it was frantic at times. Uh, Scotland would score, then Japan would score. 
Japan built up the big lead at half time. Scotland came back, got really close, but obviously they needed to win by more than seven points. They, and they needed to score four tries. But what that does is you start chasing the game. So you think, hey, I've got, we've got to score, I can't remember what it was, 14 or 15 points, right? So you, you've got to score, you've got to get two tries, nail the conversions, and get another penalty. And if you're chasing that with 15, 10 minutes to go, you're playing a different type of game, eh? So you, you, you know, and that's what you're thinking. That's what they're thinking in the back of the mind. So with sustained pressure from Japan and the skillful handle, handling this of the balls and the transitions from one player to the next was, mate, it was outstanding. It was nearly, actually, it was nearly faultless. That's right. And Japan, they brought out stuff that we have never seen before in terms of tactics. Uh, they had new attacking patterns. Unreal. The set piece was solid. Scrum time, line out time, real solid. Sharp. Real sharp, but they, they, they created space out wide. But they took the opportunities, you know. They, um, 50-50 ball, high, high risk, high reward, and it paid off for them. And we seem to be talking about Japan a lot, but being the host of the Rugby World Cup and being a Tier 2 nation, I think they're now ranked on the IRB table number 7, and they've just come off, you know, the be three Tier 1 nations that I know of, South Africa back in 215, uh, to just be Ireland and Scotland in mm. the one pool stage. Yeah. A tier yeah. two nation. And look, the back three for Japan, outstanding. Kotaro Matsushima with a try. And uh, Ryoto Nakamura and Kenki Fukuoka on the other side. Just scoring outstanding tries. And Willie, Will, Will Tupo at the back, uh, the offload king. Brilliant. Yep. Heaps of love. Absolutely outstanding, Japan. They're going to be a huge threat uh, come quarterfinal time, and, and we'll talk about that match later on. Uh, but that basically wraps up Pool A. Uh, so Japan finishes top. Huge surprise. Now, let me chuck a little segue in there. So Japan are playing... Um, Japan are coming through and playing South Africa, yeah, this weekend, um, before the All Blacks play Ireland. So if you're, if you're a South African, you'll be sitting there now thinking... 2015, this is what happened. Japan looked better now, two, three hundred percent better than they did in 2015. So, if I was a Springbok fan, with all respect, I would be a little bit worried. Oh, yeah, I would be a little bit worried. Yep, absolutely. So, Japan, like, like I said, finished top, uh, Ireland finished second, and Scotland missed out, but they still qualify for the next World Cup, being the third place. Uh, Feels like a bit of a booby prize though, doesn't it? A bit of a consolation prize. Yeah. Tier 1 nation. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, moving on now to Pool B. Fairly straightforward. All Blacks top. South Africa second. What do we think about the All Blacks so far? First game. Yeah, we'll touch yep. on that. We yep. were there. Yokohama Stadium in Yokohama City, Tokyo. Yep. We're just outside Tokyo. Um, but it was a good game. 20, 30 minutes in. Seemed like a bit of a tug of war between the two teams. Mm. South Africa, you know, they gave it. They pushed us back over the game line. Um, everyone was trying to gain that dominance, that front foot. And um, I was a little bit worried at the start, only because, you know, we were getting pushed back a bit. But we held our D strong, even on our own trial. We, we held it strong. And we were still trying to play it, you know, from getting pushed back. Reminds me of a boxer when a boxer can win fighting backwards, not not just forward. So the All Blacks are going back, but they're trying to go, they're trying to, um, they're still trying to run it mm. on their defence line, getting pushed back. So I thought the first 20, 30 minutes, but with that cross kick from Richie over to Severi Reese, and then Severi Reese stood up the winger, sprints down the sideline, back into Artie Sevier, 
bit of a bit of a maul and a ruck happens, and then the ball out to Bowden Barrett, and then Bowden Barrett slips through the gap, and then a ball off to George Bridge under the post. Yeah, and that set the momentum up for the rest of the game, I believe. And we were at the captain's run a day beforehand, and Very we saw them. We saw them train. Uh, we saw them train under the high ball. We saw them train uh, with the cross kicks. Uh, cross kicks, sorry, uh, out to the likes of George Bridge and to Sevi Reese, and uh, they executed it perfectly during the match. Perfectly, uh, and they cracked that rush defence. That rush defence, okay, so here we go. We've got the rush defence, you know, the Ireland do it very well. The Ireland, the Irish do it probably the best. Mm. Um, Wales, yeah, I think Wales do it. I mean, we played a lot of games against Wales and England recently. Japan. Japan. Their defence. We, yeah. we haven't touched on that yet. But that rush defence, though, you've got those two pivots. So you've got Bodie. Bodie can come in. Mm. They're causing variation and confusion in the opposition. So I think we've cracked the code. There's been a lot of talk uh, leading into the World Cup about the Bowden... Barrett, uh, Richie Moanga, the experiment, combination, the experiment, uh, and look, it's paid off so far. I was I, a believer. So be honest, were you? I, I was in it because I could. I feel like that I'm on the same level as Steve Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but to, like, so were you? Were you a believer or were you a skeptic? I was a skeptic. Ah. I think Bowden Barrett is uh, outstanding. Say it again. Say so you're a skeptic. You were a skeptic? I was. A skeptic! Oh, come on. <laughs> nah, I can see the bigger plan and the bigger vision. And like combinations you're not going to get right in the first game. So they had to have you know the second, the third, and the fourth game and, and persist with that combination. Yeah. But now they're causing confusion. You know, you've got Bodie can go to the left. Richie can come back and fall back and, 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 and fill Bodie's position if he needs to go. And we've got the two outstanding wingers now, Bridgie and Severi. So we've got, we've got a new bomb squad in town. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest... Looking back to last year, it was Steve Hansen's plan to play Damien McKenzie at fullback and Bowden Barrett at 10 and interchange them both. So this is probably what started the experiment with Damien McKenzie out with his ACL and and that's what brought this whole thing along. Yeah, I think so. I think the whole whole plan moving forward, the long-term plan leading up to the Rugby World Cup was to have two playmakers, one at 10 and one at 15. And that's why when, uh, when McKenzie got injured... Steve Hansen, I think, was thinking, heck, what are we going to do now? But if you go back to the game last year, in, um, I think it was the third, maybe before Ireland, Northern Hemisphere Tour, and they had McKenzie, and he was playing fullback, and he scored mm. under the post. I mm. think Barrett might have gave him a short pass to score under the post. You could see, that's playmaker role right there, eh? Yep. So um, with him being out, uh, this is why we've got the Richie and Bowden-Barrett combination. That's right. That's right. South Africa, what have we thought about them so far? They're strong. Well, let's get they're, they're our greatest foes, eh? You know, we've got Trans-Tasman rivalry with the Wallabies, but hey, let's get it straight. Mm, mm. The Springboks are strong, and they're brutal, yeah. and they've got strong forwards. And, um, you know, they've got Pollard, great kicker, steers yeah. the shit well, he runs it hard, and, you know, they've got the um, they've got the, the wingers coming in, the fast-paced Cheslin Corby, you know. Revelation on the wing. Revela- he worries me. Yep. He worries. If we come, shut him down, please. Shut yeah. him. Sifu. <laughs> Several Georgie, Bowden, shut him down, please. But the South African forward pack, always strong. Strong. Always strong. Brutal. Like yep. I said, no yep. mercy. They're, yep. they're similar to us. Yeah, they are. Yeah, ruthlessness. And they've had the wood over us in the last couple of years in particular, uh, results-wise. Couple of draws. Couple, oh God, couple, couple of draws. Couple of draws. Well, hey, you know, the one at Westpac Stadium, we um, we lost the one that we should have won, mm. and then we won the one in Pretoria that we should have probably lost. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, we, we, you know, when it comes down to it, I think 
I think we've got the skin on them. I think we've got the edge on the Springboks. Not much. The biggest question is, will we play against them again in this tournament? Well, time will tell, right? They've got to get past Japan first. Well, yeah, Japan. That's another <laughs> kettle fish, isn't it? Right, Paul B, basically just two teams there who were competitive. I feel sorry for Italy. Uh, Sergio Parisi, the captain, it was his final test match, the one against the All Blacks, which ended up getting cancelled. Uh, so feel sorry for him. They finished third. They qualify automatically for the next Rugby World Cup. Uh, Namibia and Canada, yeah, same old results for those two teams. Feel sorry for them in a, in a very strong pull against some of the world's best. A little bit disappointed by Canada. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from the, the Tier 2 nations now. I mean, they're up against... you got Tier 2 versus Tier 1. The Tier 1 are in major competitions. They're in the Six Nations, aren't they? They're in the Championship Cup. Um, I think you've got Canada in the Pacific Nations Cup with the USA, the likes of Fiji and Samoa and Japan. Mm. Um, so who knows? I don't know how, how long their players have been together. You know, They need to get that feeling amongst the team. Uh, obviously, the All Blacks are playing Super Rugby and they're in the same country. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough on the mate, no doubt. Yeah. And we talk about Tier 2 nations. Look at Japan. They have benefited big time from having regular games against Tier 1 nations. Righto, so that's uh, Pool B. All done and dusted. Pool C uh, was originally the pool of death. Uh, pool A ended up being the pool of death. Uh, but the way it finished, England top, France second. England, we went to one of their games while we were in Japan. England versus USA. Corby, yeah. What are your thoughts so far on the English? Uh, what's, it, what's their first hit out against Tonga? Mm-hmm. Um, the first first half looked a bit slow in that game. I'm not too sure. What, what did that score end up being? 35-3. to three. 35 to 3, okay. So I think they got most of your points, I'm imagining, in the second half. But um, look, I think England and like the All the Blacks have a, they had a big hit out yeah, against um, South Africa. But since then, 10 day uh, gap between that first game and the mm. second. Um, and then we've had a two week break because the game against Italy got cancelled. Yeah. And I think that's the same with England, you know. England um, and France. England both haven't played in a couple of weeks. That's right. And it was going to be their toughest game. So England had a couple of minnows at the start. And then they played um, Argentina, which was disappointing. Yes. The guy, um, what's his name, got the red card for Argentina. The the, the Labanini. Yeah. Is he lock yep. or number, number the lock? The lock Labanini. Yeah. The shocker. So you know that, that I don't know if England have been tested as well. So I reckon um, the All Blacks were tested in the first game, untested since England. I think they've been untested, but what I do see is good structure, and good plays, um, and good strategies. Uh, you got Eddie Jones there, eh? so they're not going to go away. And yeah. Do silly things. Um, I don't. Even, I don't even know if they've received any yellow or red cards. I think they might be one of the teams that haven't. But I think the they're danger. There's no doubt about it. And they are dangerous as long as Owen Farrell is on the field. Yeah. And we saw in that match against the USA when George Ford started, uh, terrible, no direction, um, very like uh, so fairly average goal he was, kicker. He was missing his kicks. Yep. I don't know if he had a lot. Like, they all have off days. He he, he had an off day that day. Um, but you got Owen Farrell. I'll give it to Owen. You know, um, everyone says his tackling technique. He runs it hard. Mm. He's a ten, and he he's not afraid of running that line and putting his body on the line. So we talk about teams steering the ship a lot, don't we? And taking that pivot out. Yes. And you take those good Sextons out, and, and the Richie Moongas and the um, Bowden Barretts and the and um, you know the Aaron Farrells, and you know those teams are in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. So England dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, so they progress, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about their quarterfinal coming up against Australia. France, they had a massive game first up, winning 23 points to 21 against Argentina. Uh, so they, again, it depends 
which French team will turn up on the day. But we talk about this a lot, don't we? You know, you hear about it on TV. Yeah, who's going to turn up for France? You know, just when you think they're down and out, and and they're but they're they're one of those confidence teams, aren't they? Once they get that Absolutely. feeling and that passion inside, and they get points on the board, they start believing. The belief comes into it, and they win on like belief rather than their own skill. But they've got skill, and the French have got flair. Really hard to like France. Obviously, that they beat Argentina twenty three twenty one, and then their last match they beat Tonga twenty three twenty one. That's and but that's France for you. <laughs> that's France for you. Like you know, it's a pool match back in two thousand eleven. We cleaned France up in the pool game, and then we won the World Cup facing France by one point. That's right. And we're we talking talking about twenty eleven and France. They lost to Tonga in the pools. Sneaked into the, the knockout stages and got to the Rugby World Cup final. They remind me of like a Rubik's Cube. I don't know. How to, <laughs> I don't know how to solve the Rubik's Cube or the Labyrinth, um, but yeah, I can't solve the French rugby team either. <laughs> and it sounds like they're having some off-field problems. Uh, but and in 2011, they had some off-field problems with the coach. Was the coach going to gap it, or he was going to design the team, or, or, <laughs> or something, or, or leave the country, or yeah, I don't know. Strange. Hey, they bring it when they want to bring it, don't they? They do, and they're dangerous. They are dangerous. Uh, so they're very unpredictable. But we remember little things like 2007, yes. 1999, yes. and those things resonate in our head till today. Yes, that's We right. shouldn't, you know? So it's that, it's that thing upstairs, eh, that gets us. Absolutely. Argentina, disappointing in the end. Disappointing. How can they, you know, like they make the Super Rugby Finals. Hakuaris. Hakuaris. Um, they have a brilliant, brilliant tournament. Mm. Um, they're in the um, Championship Cup. They're winning games. Yes, not against the All Blacks, but they're winning games in the Championship Cup. And then they probably had the most disappointing World Cup that, that I can remember. Yep, you that's know, right. They uh, made the semi-finals back in 2015. Yeah, uh, and basically the last couple of Rugby World Cups they've made at least the quarterfinals. So they they were unlucky in a way to be placed in a very tough pool like this one against the likes of England and France. But like you say, they've had regular. Competition, regular games against Tier One nations since they've been. So, here, so here's the, the flip side, right? Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna divert back to other things, but Japan, Japan haven't mm. been in the Championship Cup. Yep, Sunwolves have mm. been in the um, Super Rugby competition, and they've just beat two Tier One nations. So, yeah, good point. you know, maybe we um, do, do a relegation Championship Cup. I'd love to see that. Drop it. You come in. You go out. Yeah, I'd love to see that. They've got to get involved. We've got to sort the the Pacific Island nations. We've got the Samoas, the the Tonga, the the, the Fijis, the Japan's. You know, it's got to be either introduce them into the six. I don't know. I don't have the answer, but introduce them into some tier one status. Yep. And if that doesn't work, relegate them. Relegate yep. a team out of the competition. Yeah, something to think about for future. Wrapping up Pool C, Tonga, and then the USA. Tonga improved. Before the World Cup, they got smashed by the All Blacks by 90-odd points. Yeah, but hey, look, how long were they in camp for? Yeah, that's you the know, thing. They pieced them together. Um, the All Blacks had, uh, what well, was their last hit out? So they had a few games up their sleeve, didn't they? And they went out with their number one team, and the All Blacks just, just they just pinned it down, and they just went, hey, we don't care who we're playing. We're going to show no mercy, ruthlessness, and the All Blacks just brought it. And what, and what did they end up putting on? Was it 90, 92-5 or... And it was definitely in the 90s, and they got absolutely smashed. The USA are a very interesting bunch. They are fabulous at rugby sevens since it became an Olympic sport, uh, the women's game and in the men's game. They're starting to win tournaments uh, on the world circuit, but they just haven't quite translated that success That's to right. the 15s. So, that, it does, so you know, you can have fast... Sevens is a completely different game, yeah? Mm. Fast pace, 
but like you said, it doesn't transition into 15s too well, does it? I think it's only a matter of time until the USA start catching up with the rest of the world. i tell you what might help, getting a Kiwi coach in there, let's talk a little bit about John Mitchell, who ditched them and joined up with the England camp. Assistant coach, isn't he, for England? Yeah, assistant coach for England. He was the head coach for the USA. He broke his contract. He left the really? USA, and he went over to England to take on the assistant coach job. More money, eh? More money, okay. yeah. But also, like, USA. Yeah. Come on, they need all the support they can get. Um, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done there in the 15s game. They've got a lot of improvement to do. I remember when, um, was it the number eight or flanker, Todd Cleaver? Yes, uh, outstanding player. Outstanding. He's a legend. He's a legend in his own right, you know, and he brought it for the USA. And he was like that conduit or that glue that just brought them together. Yeah. Um, but I watched USA closely and I thought they would have performed better at this World mm. Cup, personally. Mm. But it, however. So that's Paul C for you. Uh, moving on now to the final pool, Paul D. Topping the pool, Wales and Australia obviously advance. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Wales to begin with. What have your thoughts been on them so far? Six Nation champions. They've got a lot to prove, if you ask me. You know, they held the number one spot for what, one week? <laughs> I think it was the All Blacks for 508 weeks, Ireland for yeah. a couple of weeks, back to Wales for one week. And I think the uh, universe has aligned itself, it's now it's back. But hey, all that's out the window now they're at the World Cup, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So Wales coming into it like Gatlin. He's no fool. No. He likes to have a joke with other coaches, but at the serious side of the business, he knows his stuff, yep. and he's a successful coach. So Wales, they're, a, they're another good structure side, aren't yes. they? Yes, um, and we saw that against Fiji. Yep. Fiji played with a bit of flair, as, as they normally do. They were, they were spreading it out wide. A couple of quick tries. A couple of very quick tries. I think it was 10 or 12 nil. Yes. After 10 minutes. Wales were on the ropes there for a bit. They, they were. But then you could see a change. So then Wales just knuckled down, mm. and they just played the... Phase, you know, run it up, pass it out, run it up, get into a mall, ruck, and just went back to the basics of that that typical Norman Hemisphere structure. Yes. Nothing flashy and just grind away. And that took Fiji away from playing their game. Um, and then, you know, obviously Wales came back. Um, but once Fiji showed glimpses of that first 10 minutes during that, but they mm. couldn't sort of like, they couldn't hold it. They couldn't hold it at that level. I think if Fiji just carried on and just threw those high-risk high reward balls, they would have probably maybe just pipped them. But hey, it's an 80-minute game in the Fijians. We were getting a little bit tired. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Wales, without Dan Bigger, they are a very different team. Dan Bigger, he's had, like, he had a big head knock the other uh, the other match. Huge. And um, like that's, that's, that's concerning for Wales, leading into the knockout stages. Uh, he's a crucial part uh, of their team. Uh, obviously their goal kicker, uh, the one who controls them across the field. I'll give it to Dan Bigger. We watched him play uh, Georgia, mm. didn't we, in uh, Nagoya. And um, he runs it hard. You know, he's he's not a big fella, and I'll give it to him, man. He's got balls of steel away. He runs it up hard. Yeah, absolutely. So Australia, uh, they've been disappointing this World Cup, and uh, obviously they lost, lost that crucial match against Wales. And there were a few incidents in that match and a few cards and our good old mate, Michael Checker, the coach of Australia, he was not a happy chappy after that match. Hang on, I think we might have, I've got his number here, let's give him a call and just ask him what he thinks. Of. Hey Michael, it's All Black Superfan here. Hey, I just want to get your thoughts after that tough game against Wales, and now that you've um, passed those pool games and you're into the quarterfinals facing England for the knockout stage this Saturday night, what are you thinking about the game and what are your thoughts and how are you going to perform? Oh, I haven't thought about that, mate. I'm not thinking about the rest of the tournament right now. 
<laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. What do you you're not thinking about. Hang on. So you've got a. You're not thinking about the top, but you've got a knockout game. You either go home or you stay, and then you uh, move to the semi-final. So, you, what you're not thinking about? No, I haven't thought about that, mate. I'm not thinking about the rest of the tournament right now. What's it? <laughs> what the? What's he? Th- what's he thinking about? Oh, I don't think he's thinking at all. <laughs> what is that about? Oh well, that's that's Michael for you. He just hung up on me anyway. So thanks. Michael Checker, massive quarterfinal coming up, and he's not thinking about it. He's not thinking Ladies and it. gentlemen, <laughs> why is he still the coach of Aussie? Somebody tell me. <laughs> so Aussie uh, obviously progresses the second team going through. Uh, they have not been uh, themselves. They've nah. struggled away. Uh, they still haven't figured out uh, what their strongest lineup is. Uh, they've played uh, different first fives uh, throughout the whole pool stage. Um, and at the moment, Matt Tamua seems to be the, the first choice 10, but they've tried Christian Leolofano. They've tried Bernard Foley. They've all failed. Where's Bernard Foley gone? He's there. He was he my man. Got, I yeah. read him, but he just hasn't. Uh, like I've said this, the Wallabies are a dangerous outfit when they click, mm. but it's when they click. They clicked in Perth. Uh, yeah, we had 40 men, whatever, but they look good. Yep. They were dominating that game. This, 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 this not, you know. And a team that's got. Both David Pocock and Michael Hooper in the one side are always going to be dangerous Pocock's, no matter what. Po- this could potentially be Pocock's last game. It could. He's out of here, so you know he's going to throw the kitchen sink out and let's hopefully the whole team does as well. Mm. But they, like, they're a dangerous side when they click. I've been saying the whole World Cup, when they click, they will go. But they haven't. Yep. And they might this weekend. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. wait and see. So that, yep, Wales and Australia progress. Uh, Fiji finish third. Uh, so they automatically qualify for the next Rugby World Cup in France. Semi Rad Raja. Just give the ball to Semi Rad Raja. Semi Rad Raja. Just give the ball to Rad Raja. The former Parramatta Eels player for the NRL switched codes, moved to rugby, played a bit of sevens. They they toyed with the idea of him playing in the centres for a bit. Uh, he was playing on the wing uh, in the last match against Wales, and he carved them up big time. He can play anywhere. He's a beast, and I hope he stays in Rugby Union. Same. So Fiji uh, finished third. Uh, obviously, they lost to Uruguay early in the uh, tournament, uh, which held them back quite a bit. They could have actually competed for that second spot to progress to the quarterfinals. So let's talk a little bit about Uruguay, who finished dead last in this pool, but were very competitive, uh, considering in previous World Cups, they've lost by more than 90 points, more than 100 points. I think those days are gone, eh? I mean, it showed with the All Blacks and that. Mimbabia um, and... Um who else would they play in the uh, Canada? You know, yep. those days of scoring 120, 130 points have gone out the window. Um, it's hard. It's tough for those teams when they're coming up against the best in the world. Um, you know, and they blow them off the park, don't they? In the last, you know, 30, second half, really. And we have to talk about what's happening in Uruguay at the moment. They've invested heavily in a brand new uh, rugby uh, academy, uh, and it shows. There's a whole bunch of new young rugby players coming through. And they are now competitive on the world stage. Now, we can't forget Georgia. They finished second to last in the pool. Uh, we talked about promotion relegation before. Yeah. Uh, in Europe, you've mm-hmm. got the Six Nations, and they have been putting their hands up for the last uh, couple well, of World Cup cycles. listening to these teams, eh? You know? I'm sure a lot of them, and I don't know, uh, who's the guy who's been there? He's, was he 36 or 38? Um, yeah, Godzadze, I think it was. It. Uh, that, yeah, he's he's close to forty. He's been around. He's a re- you can re- you recognise his face, eh? Hey? Yeah, I've seen this guy. He's been at all the world. I don't know how many world cup, a lot of world cups anyway. 
But these guys are putting their hands up. Hey, we've got to support them. If you don't support them, then we could lose them to yep. um, European rugby. And they might not even come back for the World Cup. They might just stay with the union. So who knows? Yeah. And again, Georgia, coached by a Kiwi and Milton Haig. Uh, and they, again, are, are still putting their hands up to be included in that Six Nations. And Italy, how many years do we have to go by where Italy continue to lose every single match? You know, like surely you've got to give another team an opportunity, whether you replace them or whether you just add an extra team like Georgia into the competition. Well, I don't know much about world rugby and who manages it, but I don't hear very positive things, <laughs> you know. But there needs to be a conversation and a serious conversation around the table about yeah. these teams, about the Georgias and the Uruguays and um, the Japans. Like, Yeah, yeah. And Georgia are competitive. They've got a very strong forward pack. They probably just need a little bit of work in the in the back line. Um, but otherwise, they're a pretty solid unit. They've been backed recently by a billionaire, uh, and they've uh, redeveloped some stadiums in Georgia. They had the first ever match against a Tier 1 nation in Georgia. Uh, and that was against Scotland before the World Cup. So they're getting the big games now. Yep. It's just a matter of giving them more yep. over the next four years. They're hungry. Feed them. World Rugby, come on. World Rugby, are you listening? Are you, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up the pool stages. Of the Rugby World Cup. And now we get into the knockout stages of the Rugby World Cup. The business end. The quarterfinals. Let's go. The first one is on the Saturday. It's England against Australia. These two sides have played each other quite a bit of time. Quite a bit, sorry, in, in Rugby World Cup history. We go back to 2003 Rugby World Cup final. Where Johnny Wilkinson got the drop goal to uh, take it out. There's been some classic matches. The last time Australia beat England was in 2015 Ooh. in was the pool, pool stages. Yeah, well, the most important game. Yep. But in saying that, England have won the last six games. <laughs> most notably, they clean sweep the Aussies in a free match uh, test series a couple of years ago mm. in Australia. I can't, I, I can't remember which game it was. It might have been the second game. But a couple of those games were quite close. They could have gone either way. But I think Aussie, uh, no, England pulled away. And I think it was the second game. Pulled away by quite a few points. But um, England definitely got the edge on them. That's 100% for sure. So how do you see this playing out? Aussie are very good when it gets to, when it comes to the knockout stages of Rugby World Cup. They're in the finals in 2015. Yep. Yep. And again, they went through that whole tournament. Uh, not many people were talking about them. Uh, but they managed to step up when it gets to the knockout stages. This is the thing I'm talking about when they click. They're dangerous squad. They can't be underestimated. I think this one's going to be quite close. England will be uh, sticking to their strengths, so that's up front. Uh, Owen Farrell leading the team around. Uh, they'll be looking at ticking over the scoreboard. The Aussies will be looking to spread it a bit wide. Hopefully they uh, <laughs> they mm. decide who's going to be leading them at number 10 uh, by that stage. Uh, so that's Saturday, 8.15, New Zealand time, being played over in Oita. What do you reckon? Prediction? Predictions, all right. So I don't know how many times I've said it in this podcast, but if, if the Wallabies click and they play that game that we know they can play for 80 minutes, they can get up by three, I reckon, under five. But that's what half my head's telling me. <laughs> the other half is telling me that England are a well-drilled and structured side and have some great players, and they've got great depth. Mm. And they'll come with a uh, with fire and fury, and they know what's up. They hurt. They never made it to the pool stage in 2015. That's, that's right. And that's killing them, eh? Yep. You know, Wales and Australia knocked them out, sent them sent them packing. So they've got a lot to prove now, and they look a lot more disciplined than they did in 2015. Mm. So I reckon if England 
play their game as well. Five five points for England. So at, at the end of the day, I reckon England have got the edge just. Yeah. Just. And I think, to be honest, England are peaking right at the, the perfect time. But we haven't seen much, a little bit like the All Blacks, but from the first game, we haven't seen, they haven't been tested yet. Argentina? That's right. And we go back. 14 men? Yeah, and we go back to the earlier point around them. Actually, they haven't played now for a good couple of weeks. Is that and so? Hey, let's talk about that. So, mm. is it is it better to play week in and week out, or every four or five days, or is it best to have a rest? I, I don't, the jury's out. I don't know. My, well, my view in a tournament like the World Cup, you want to be constantly playing. Yeah, you want to build the momentum, uh, especially coming into knockout stages of okay. the World Cup, regardless of injuries. Regardless, if of you've injury. got depth, then hey, injuries happen. That's right. Uh, whereas Australia, they've, yeah, I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. I can't really pick where this is going. Uh, I think England are going to get over the line. I agree with you. It'll be tight. It'll be within seven points. It's going to be a hard grind. Yep. Second quarter final, All Blacks, Ireland. Mm. It's Ireland again. I'm not nervous. You're not nervous? No, nah, right. I'm not nervous. Okay. I'm not overly confident, but I'm not nervous. Um only because I haven't seen anything dangerous or lethal come from the Ireland team yet. Yes, they had the great win in Dublin last year. They got up over us. Um, but what does that mean now? It doesn't mean anything. So we we know what Ireland can bring. We know they've got heart. We know they've got passion. And we know they're an 80-minute team. And like we talked about, uh, Sexton stands up and steers that ship. Mm. There's also another man that we don't talk about, Connor Murray. Yep. Halfback. Yep. He's a, he's a little sniper around the rucks, isn't yes. he? Yes. You've got to watch those little holes. If you can shut Connor down, then you've shut half that, that back line down, I reckon, because that's where the ball gets distributed from, eh? Straight to Sexton. But Sexton runs in these really weird pods, eh? Um, you know, is he going to pass it? He runs to the line and then a short flick pass up. So yep. if they can concentrate on um, shutting these two playmakers down, um, I think they'll go a long way of having a, a good and, one. And we saw uh, without Johnny Sexton in that Japan match, uh, how much of a difference that makes to the Irish squad. They were confused. They, Ireland didn't know what to do. There was no direction whatsoever. So there's no depth. There doesn't seem to be enough depth at number 10 yeah. for Ireland. Uh, they've sort of lost their mojo, but I this think. This is what we talk about, the pressure. You know, yeah. who, you know, We've got your mental side, your physical side, um, and then who can absorb the pressure the most in key moments? You know, It's like there's five minutes to go, you're down by five points, pressure. Yeah, that's right. But again, you can't discount an Ireland's uh, team coached by Schmidt, yeah. Joe Schmidt, Joe Schmidt. You know, like what are they? What are they holding back? What are they? What are they waiting to unleash against nothing. the All Blacks? Uh, holding nothing back. We'll soon find out this weekend. <laughs> but the All Blacks, they're they're tracking okay. I'm a little bit worried. They haven't played in a while as well. That's we'll the only thing that this. concerns me a little bit. But hey, listen, they're the All Blacks. You know, they'll go out there and I've heard rumours, and they're only rumours that they may have had a scrimmage amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Hey, and who knows? Injuries might come 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 out of that. Um, but yeah, I think the the All Blacks aren't silly. They've learnt. They've learnt from the 2007. They've learnt from rotation. They've learnt from not being prepared. And they got a good shape up in Perth. And yep. they know yep. that physically, mentally, and emotionally, they've got it. They've got it. Yeah. Right? So what it comes down to is running out on that field with the right attitude. Yes. You have to, If they don't have that attitude, it's going to be a tough day in the office. They have a really good attitude, and they play clinical all day, all black, everything. That's right. So the All Blacks will aim to wipe the Irish off the park in the first 20 minutes. That's my prediction. 
So they'll play an up-tempo game. Uh, they'll just constantly attack. There'll be quick ball. The Irish will want to try and slow that ball down in the rucks. Um, going back to that All Black South Africa game at the start of the tournament, the All Blacks were found wanting around the ruck area. Uh, Peter Steph Dutoy uh, yep. sneaked away. Easy try. Big open right, through the, right through the ruck. You yep. talk about Connor Murray. He's a very good sniper when he's playing well. Uh, but he has to build up a little bit of confidence. He's been up and down throughout this whole tournament. So there's a weakness around the All Black squad, uh, especially in the test matching in Perth. Mm. That was the one that worried me. So we've got our, um, back then, we, we've got our Lucy's and our tight heads monitoring those areas, eh? Um, and, and, and they should be shutting down those halfbacks or those all those wingers yes. getting the short ball from the 10 and running down straight hard, um, trying to score a try. Um, we corrected that in Auckland and Eden Park. We yep. shut down around that ruck, around that mall area. Um, so Connor Murray has, um, he's, um, he's, he's pushed through that line a few times. Yes. So, uh, I think we've, yeah, uh, I'm not too worried about that ruck area at the moment. And it's important, uh, sorry, it's important to remind the audience that Ireland obviously have beaten the All Blacks twice in the last three years, 2016 in Chicago, first time they beat the All Blacks in over a hundred years. And of course last year. I, I, I like to say that, that they've beat the All Blacks twice in a hundred years. That sounds better. It does, but look, how often do we play <laughs> Ireland? But that doesn't. None of that stuff means anything now. It's like the IRB table. Who's on top? Yeah, you know, the All Blacks are on top. What does it mean right now? Those games doesn't mean anything, but it gives them confidence heading in that they know that they can beat the All Blacks. Yeah, but that's what we want. The bigger the stage, the more pressure, the better the All Blacks perform, and we know that. Yes, that's right. So that's uh, yeah, All Blacks Ireland. So what are we picking? Are we picking an All Blacks win here? Eleven plus. Eleven plus. Very confident. Uh, I'm picking the All Blacks. It'll be within 10 points or so. Within? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yep. Next quarter final, Wales versus France, Sunday, 8.15 New Zealand time in Oita. Interesting stats here. Wales have won the last three of four matches between the two sides since 2015. Uh, and each of those matches, the winning side has won by no more than nine points. So we will be expecting a very close one here, I think. Wales, 12 plus. Straight away. Right into it. Okay. I'm picking France. <laughs> I just think if Wales if Wales get up and um, they get points on the board and they bring that Welsh spirit of the rugby that we know, um, I think they're going to get up. Because the thing is about France, right? You get up on France, their heads start dropping. Their heads go down, don't they? Have you noticed that in some of the games? And it's hard for them to pick their head up again. Yep. So, bounce of the ball. I think the bounce of the ball goes to Wales, and they get some few points on the board. I think they'll go. They'll go forward. But you know, who knows? If France get up and get that and get that momentum and get points on the board as well, and um, mm. you know, Wales, it's going to be a long day in the office, and they might grind their way back and pip them by three. But hey, we said this earlier. It depends which French team turns up on the day. Rupert's cube. <laughs> now Wales. Uh, they've been slowly but surely building themselves up, but they there was a bit of a roadblock against Uruguay. They really struggled in that match. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's up with that one. Eh? Like whether they um, is it depth? They would have changed out a lot of players for that. Uh, or they did. They, I, I don't know how many. Uh, I'll, I'll take a guess ten. Bigger. Well, bigger wasn't 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 so, starting in that so, match. So, so that could be a depth issue there. But you know, so we lead into the quarterfinals. Semi-finals and finals, um, depth can play a part. That's right. Now, the last time these two sides played was back in 2011 in the semi-final. And at that time, uh, we had Warburton, Sam Warburton, mm. got red-carded. Yep. 
remember that. Uh, so, again, knockout stages, Wales, France. Let's hope we don't see any cards. Gosh, it's just it's ruined games. This is going to crush the game, eh? But, hey, I've got no issue um, with players. Uh, I think it was playing South Africa. I think it was Italy. I can't remember their names. Two of their forwards, pole drive, one of the um, South Africans into the ground. Two red cards. Catch you later. I think one of them got a red card because he was the um, he was probably the more of the uh, offender, the culprit. But when it's a blatant uh, head high with, in, with intent going in, I got no issues with a red card. But it's the mitigating factors. The um, offensive guy come running in with the ball. He's going down because he probably wants to dip under the yeah, uh, yeah, defender, yeah. and then the defender's committed to the tackle and hits him. Hit some low as he's dropping down, hits him around the um, shoulder, neck area. It's a hard one, man. Like, <clears throat> Yeah, that's right. We and just want consistency, don't we? That's it. Consistency. That's what it's all about. And the refs have been so up and down this whole tournament. Uh, no wonder the players get so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no issue. Yeah. I got, just want consistency. Key player for Wales is Josh Adams on the wing. He's made 13 clean breaks this tournament. That's the most. He's a little bit. Is that 14? Number 14? Yep. Yep. So uh, look out for him. Mm. Uh, the French... Look, they're going to play with flair. They're going to spread it out wide. They're going to play with passion. Uh, Wales do struggle uh, at Rugby World Cups uh, at the knockout stage. Wales struggle. Ireland struggle. Yes. France come of age. The Aussies come of age. Can't quite work England out, and we know what the All Blacks are going to bring. <laughs> You're going deep, brother. We're going deep. So I'm picking France to win this one. I'm picking that the, the, the French team will turn up, and they'll win uh, by about 14 points. Okay, so that's... A Pretty much the opposite to what I'm thinking, Wales by 12. We can't agree on everything. But what about this? So we've got eight teams in the quarterfinals, right? Mm. Eight teams in the quarterfinals. Four teams are led by New Zealanders. Yes. So we've got Steve Hansen for the All Blacks. Very obviously true. Warren Gatlin for Wales, Joe Smith for Ireland, and the man of the moment, Jamie Joseph for Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so. we're talking about we're talking about um, uh, Jamie Joseph in Japan. That's the final quarterfinal uh, of this weekend. Japan... Against South Africa. Ugh. It's all on again. It's on. Rematch again from 2015. We all know who won that match. They've got to be a little bit concerned, don't they? The Springboks fans. I would be. If we were playing Japan this weekend, I would be a little bit worried. I Only because what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, look, Japan are brutal. They're another grinding side. They're a structured side, but there's been a few games. I've seen them get tired around the 60th minute. Fatigue, balls start dropping down. You don't drop balls for no reason. You drop balls because it's either wet or you're fatigued. Yeah. Now I'm no, I'm no, I'm no rocket coach, but that's what it seems to be. So, um, if Japan are playing like they've been playing in this tournament, which tells me that they're not going to play anything else apart from what they've been doing, it's going to be a very, very tough day in the office for the Springboks. Let's talk briefly about the warm-up match that they had these two teams right before the Rugby World Cup. Now they. That game there was played in uh, very humid conditions. Uh, Japan definitely looked the, the fitter squad, the fitter team that night. Uh, South Africa ran away with the match in the end. Some calls didn't quite go the way of Japan. They pulled away at the end. I can't remember what the score was, 47-something. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Japan did look did look fit. But, obviously, you know, the Springboks, um, they've got that structure in place, haven't they? And they can take opportunities. And that's the thing with these classy tier one nations. They can take all the opportunities uh, and make the most of it and score tries where other teams probably wouldn't score tries from the opportunities as much. Yeah, yeah. And the Springboks will aim to go up the middle. Um, they'll aim to dominate the Japanese uh, up front. Uh, 
Fafta Clerk, the halfback, will aim to put the big up and unders up to test the, the back three. Now, we let's go back to that first match, Japan-Russia, with that first try that Russia scored, the first yeah. try of the tournament. That, again, was uh, the big up and under for the for the fullback. He dropped it cold. Dropped it but, cold but, under but, pressure. But do we know what South Africa are going to bring? Box kicks, uh, kick for position, uh, running up the middle. Um, they've got flashy wingers. Yep. South Africa got flashy wingers. Their midfield's a little bit bland. They're not really breaking the line as what I, you know, as well as what I thought they might. Um, you know, Pollard's got to get that ball out to, um, you know, maybe have to do a skip pass or cross crossfield kick. We've seen it. The kick will get to the winger faster than if you pass it. Yeah, that ain't rocket science. No, I'm um, I'm really interested to see uh, what new tactics Japan have up their sleeve for this match. Uh, we saw it last week against Scotland. Uh, the new attacking patterns, which I've never seen before <laughs> from Japan, Crazy. which created a whole bunch of space. Now, everybody rates the Springboks defence. Japan would have taken a few notes after that All Black Springboks match on how the All Blacks cracked the rush defence. So maybe we might see a few of those little kicks in behind. We saw that against Scotland. Some of the wingers putting in the grubber in behind. But Japan aren't getting tired. They're that's not the biggest. Over. This is the They're biggest going, point. And their forwards are smashing it. And... Go back and I'm going to watch that game again because it was amazing. But you watch that game with the Lucys and the Japan, you think, oh, they're going to drop off or they're going to. They didn't. No. They didn't drop off. They made very few mistakes and they ran the ball hard and they just kept going for 80 minutes. And we've got to talk about the prop for Japan, uh, Jawan Ku, who, uh, if you remember in that game against Scotland, within the first 20 odd minutes, Something happened with his ribs. Oh, yeah, right. I remember. Something happened with his ribs. I don't know if it was a broken rib or not. I, I haven't actually heard. He didn't want to go off. off. He did not want to go off. For those of you who watched that match, he was not going off at all. The trainers come on. They had. A, I think I think a scrum was about to be packed, and um, he was about to walk off, and then he sort of goes, no, I can give it a go. And he sort of moved back towards the scrum, and I think they went to nearly pack it, and then the, the pain must have been so immense that he that he had to go off. That's right. So, uh, That's but he, right. But he, yeah, he didn't want to go off, and then, you know being very honourable in Japanese and, um, you know, um, showing respect and bearing on the sideline before he departs to the bench and stuff like that. But I noticed when he was walking to the bench that the man had tear in his eyes and that's how much it meant to him in the country. It was a special moment. Very special. Very special moment. But let's talk briefly about his replacement when he when he did come on, Isolele Nakajima. Yeah, yeah. What a beast, especially in the last few minutes of the match. He was carrying the ball up basically every, every so second. So you go back to like... They're classified as a Tier 2 nation, right? Yes. In my eyes, they're a Tier 1 nation. Right now, mm. they're a Tier 1 nation. Mm. Tier 2 nations, they bring their bench on. Um, so obviously, they're not as good as the guys that started yeah, in the Tier 2 nation game, right? Mm. He is. Yes. He's at the same level. And that's the thing with the Japanese. The people that they're bringing on are coming at the same level, or if not higher. Yeah, and we have to talk about uh, the current halfback for Japan, uh, Yutaka Nagare, Absolutely brilliant. But then when he comes off... Who do they bring on? Mr. Highlander? Fumiyaki Tanaka. Tanaka. And what a beauty he is. Like he oh, is he's, he's awesome. And in the last couple of minutes of that match, but like he, the control, just he, to hold it in the ruck, pick and go, pick and go, kill the time, the experience as well. And he's used to playing super rugby. He's used yes. to playing that New Zealand style, so he knows what he can bring to the table and so does the whole team. What a halfback to come on off the bench. Yeah, look, this this preview of, of the South Africa-Japan match is, is pretty much dominated by Japan. We're excited. I know you're all excited. Sorry about the Springboks fans out there. It's a little bit biased, but hey. I'm excited. But this is what we want, don't we? 
This is it. We want to see competition games. We want to see knockout stages. This is what the tournament's about right now. Yep. You want to stay here or you want to go home? Put it all on the line. Throw the kitchen sink. Yep. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Don't walk away. You hear the All Blacks and they talk about, um, are we up for it? Are we up for the pressure moments? Who's going to absorb the pressure the most is going to come out on top? And the biggest question is, and people keep talking about it every week in regards to Japan, have they already played their World Cup final? Nah. No. No And way. they keep winning and they keep winning. They could possibly... Uh, Don't say it. Well... Don't say it. No, say it. They could make the final. All Blacks Japan? All Blacks Japan. Let's go. But hey, look, if Wales win the other quarterfinal, and if Japan progress and they play Wales, they beat Wales, they'll get the triple crown. I'll call it. I'll call it now. If Japan beat South Africa, they'll beat either France or Wales, and they'll be in the final. All right. I'm calling a Japan... Hang on. All Black Japan final. There we go. Okay, all right. I'm picking Japan to win this match by four points. I'm picking... <laughs> this is what my head's saying. No heart and head stuff. Come Three on. Three points, South Africa. Make a decision. Okay. And who, that's, who do I want to win? Japan. Three points, South Africa win. I'm backing Japan 100%. I'm backing Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. I'm backing the leadership. I'm backing the team. I'm backing the culture that they've instilled in that side. They have... The team to go all the way to the final. How crazy is that? And how crazy is that? At the start of the tournament, coming into it, no one would have picked it. What, what were the odds? Probably 500 to 1. I don't know. That's a guess. Maybe 200 to 1. In the press conference after the Japan-Scotland match, Michael Leach said straight to the media, we're here to win it. We're not here to make up the numbers. We're going to go into the quarterfinals. We're going to play South Africa. We're not going to go in there and lose... By five points, seven points, we're in there to win. Yeah, and that's the type of attitude that you need, and that's the type of attitude that Japan have right now. Exactly what the All Blacks, what Steve Hansen says: we don't walk away from fear, we walk into it, and that's what they're doing, aren't they? They're walking into the fear and they're facing it full on. Well, I'm excited! So I'm excited! So that's final knockouts. Let's go! So that's our, that's a wrap, pretty much. That's the pool stages all done and dusted. That's us previewing the quarterfinals coming up this weekend. Uh, wow, what a weekend! I can't wait. It's going to be massive. I can't wait. I don't know what I'm going to do. Popcorn. Sprite. Chip and dip. Or just, <laughs> or, or just beers. <laughs> uh, something's going to go down. It's a huge weekend. Hey, guys, this is the podcast. Pick up the pace with your man, All Black Superfan and... Anadu Ryle. And we're going out with a boom. Thanks, guys. See you in the next podcast. Take care. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really want it like, yeah. here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't